Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Ron Fowler. Ron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, well, I live in Pickering, which is just east of uh, Toronto, uh, in Toronto, southern Ontario, is not the easiest to invest in. We don't invest there. It's just not worth it. Uh, things are too expensive. Um, we uh, So I, I've been in advertising uh, the last 20 years or so. Also spent a few years uh, working in the bank. And uh, while working in the bank, I realized that um, your traditional investments like mutual funds and GICs uh, just aren't going to get you a lot. So we were thinking, what are we going to do? And at the same time, my wife was working at um, a, uh, an accounting firm doing personal taxes for millionaires and some of the H- NHL players. And yeah. she realized that uh, the millionaires, the multimillionaires, they all have real estate in their portfolios. Yep. So we decided, you know, let's, uh, let's try some real estate. And uh, we bought our first property about five years ago in uh, Oshawa, just east of Toronto. Oshawa and Peterborough seem to be the popular places to go buy some rental properties. They, they, they were really good a few years ago, and even a couple years ago. Uh, it's hard to find the deals there in uh, Oshawa out to Peterborough. Peterborough is, is really exploding right now. Um, so, But there's still deals to have. We're, we're now starting to shift more uh, that we're going to look more for off-market deals. Because yep. uh, if you're just going to get off the MLS, you just, you know, there's no room to work with, right? No, I, I'm I'm always blown away. I'm I'm not sure who is buying my properties who, to turn them into more rentals. I don't I don't know how that works. <laughs> the ones that I'm you know selling. what it could be, and, and and this is part of our story. We we've learned a lot doing it on our own. Yeah. Uh, made a lot of mistakes, and I think probably the people buying your properties are the the more inexperienced investors. Uh, so like when we bought the one in Oshawa, um, we just said, oh, you buy a property, you rent it out, and off you go. Uh, but you have to really know your numbers. You have to make sure you're cash flowing. Uh, we bought the first one in Oshawa thinking, well, we'll convert it to a duplex. Yep. Um, it had a tenant. Uh, we learned that you should screen your tenants, even if you're going to buy a property. Um, interview the tenant like you're screening for your own. Because uh, sometimes a tenant can make it or, or break it. You know so what? That's a good a idea because like, you know, a lot of times, even myself personally, I've skipped that process all together because i'm like the the deal makes sense so i'm just gonna inherit these tenants but especially if you had invested in ontario then to get rid of these tenants might be very difficult especially if they're paying it's pretty much impossible to get rid of them but they maybe they're not pro- the they're probably not a problem if they're paying <laughs> yeah well it, it depends i mean yeah. we, we did have we did have someone in that first property who was paying uh but before marijuana was legal he was selling pot and just yeah. <laughs> wasn't so good to the place. It was hard. We we actually did end up selling that place because we found out that we could not legally convert it to a duplex. And again, so we learned, you know, if you're going to buy a property, you got to do your research. Uh, you got to know your numbers. So we couldn't convert it. So it was a negative cash flow. Uh, so we thought, well, let's, let's just cut our losses and, and go. But uh, the tenant wouldn't leave. We tried cash for keys. Um, that didn't work, surprisingly. Uh, he didn't want to leave. Uh, which that's their choice. Yeah. Uh, but even when we sold it and uh, he still wouldn't leave, uh, we had to get to the point where Sheriff did have to escort the tenant out. So uh, so we learned a lot about, you know, how to deal with difficult tenants. We've had a couple other things like that too. So it's been a great learning experience. Uh, 
we then bought something in Windsor because Windsor about three, four years ago was like really dirt cheap. It was amazing what you could buy there. And the new bridge was being built, the new hospital was going to be built. So we bought a property there, um, did okay. And then um, started uh, actually reading Rich Dad books. And okay. so we joined a Rich Dad program, a coaching program. And on these calls, we realized all the coaches were in the U.S. Everything was American. And we're hearing all these crazy numbers, like people buying properties for 25000 and 50000 So we started doing a lot of research and realized, you know, there's a lot of benefits to investing in the U.S. Um, tenant laws are, in some states are a lot easier, a lot yep. better. Yep. Uh, you get a lot more bang for your buck with the cash flow. Uh, you can buy a property. We bought. We ended up buying a duplex uh, near Buffalo for eighty-five thousand, and it cash flows for a hundred dollars a week, and that's in U.S. dollars. Cool. So you can't you can't do that in, in Canada. You can't buy anything for eighty-five thousand in cash flow for hundred bucks. It's tricky. <laughs> I don't think you can buy well, much for eighty-five thousand. If you're in Toronto, you can yeah, buy. Exactly. You might be able to get and a park, parking spot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what got us starting starting investing in the U.S. Okay, so well. you got you got into the U.S. What did you? Uh, where'd you go? What was your process to decide where to go and then where did where'd you end up going? What'd you buy? Well, we did a lot of research. Actually, surprisingly, we did a lot of uh, reading in magazine articles, real estate magazines. Um, a couple of friends of ours had already started investing in Florida. We looked into that. So I believe in checking out the city before you buy something. So we were in Toledo. Uh, we went to uh, Rochester. So. Uh, I finally decided for the first one, let's keep it close to home. Uh, we looked at uh, Buffalo. Um, I found also a very good, very good uh, manager and realtor in the Buffalo area. We connected well. So I thought, okay, let's go down there, check it out. Uh, found a nice property. Um, and that's only a two hour drive away. So I thought, well, if we're going to start, let's do something close in case there's any problems. I can jump down there in two hours and, and take care of what the situation is. Yeah. Uh, but I found it was also amazing and really important to have a really good uh, management team that you can rely on. They know what they're doing. They're investors themselves. And that's what made it so much easier. So we don't even have to touch the place. They take care of everything. Yeah, no, the property management can make or break you. You need time to get to know them, to build a relationship. But it's hard if you're looking for a new manager, you don't have six months to get to know them. You just got to hire them and, and see how they work out. Yep, yeah, so you, you basically got to, Look at see what you can find on them online, and then take a jump yeah. at it and hope it works out. And if it doesn't work out, then move on to another one. <laughs> yeah, do it again. How many properties do you have down in the U.S. now? Well, we we have one. Yep. Uh, because after we bought we bought that one uh, last year in the fall. Yep. Um, and then we we had we have that one, and then we actually sold one of our properties in Windsor at the beginning of this year. Yeah. Uh, it was almost uh, um, prophetic that we, we didn't know this pandemic was coming. Yeah. And a thought popped into my, my, my head and I said to my wife, you know, let's, maybe we should sell that property. I think we can make a good profit right now if we sell that. And then we actually closed uh, on it just the beginning of March. And uh, so, and we made a good profit. We sold it at a good time. Uh, so we were, we were back up in Windsor and then we were going to start uh, well, you and I have been talking about, but we were going to start doing something in, in Ohio. Yep. Uh, and then this, this pandemic started. Yep. So uh, that's made me rethink our strategies because we wanted to pick up more, start picking up more properties this year and into next year. So we're going to uh, start shifting a little bit to uh, try and do some flips. Yep. 
So I'll combine that with holding, but also try and get some flips in there and just see how things go. So we haven't gone back down to the States, but we are going to get back down there again. Well, I don't think anyone's went to the States in a while. We've got a nice yeah. solid wall right now. So you're thinking Ohio. <laughs> yeah, you're not no, not going to do Buffalo again? <laughs> no, well, the thing was this, that, um, again, like I said before, always do your research so that we found, and I say Buffalo, but it's actually a, a city called Lockport, which okay. is just 20 minutes outside of Buffalo. Uh, beautiful city. I was amazed at how clean the city is. You drive through it, you think you're going through a, a movie set. Oh, it's nice. so nice and clean. And really nice. We really liked it. But we found the taxes were a little bit high. Um, and then in New York State, the tenant laws are very similar to Ontario. So it takes a while. If you need to uh, get a tenant out, it does take a while. Um, not as long as Ontario. Um, but when you serve, notice if they haven't paid rent. Uh, here in Ontario, you just serve notice. You hand it to them yourself. Uh, in New York State, you have to uh, hire what's called a process server. And you have to give them, I believe it's 16 days notice, and you have to do that twice, and you have to pay for that service. Um, what, is so that, we're one, what does that cost to do that service? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, honestly, okay. No, I was just curious. Was. I think yeah. it's maybe around the $100 mark or less. I'm not okay. sure. It, right. co it costs a couple hundred, um, which, again, isn't so bad. Um, so it's not too bad. So we were thinking, well, you know, the taxes are a bit high. We are looking at Ohio. We thought, uh, maybe we won't go down there, but we have an excellent manager. And then one thing I didn't realize that I just found out a few weeks ago, uh, that makes it different from Ontario is that when the first year lease is up, you do not have to renew with a tenant and the tenant has to move out. Ah, contracts. So that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like Ontario. So, so we we like we like uh, Lockport because it's so close. We have a great manager there. The cash flow is pretty good. Uh, so we're we're still considering maybe a couple more properties down in the Buffalo area as well. But then we're also looking in, into Ohio. We did look at Toledo a couple of years ago, um, and just decided at that point uh, not to do it. We look at Toledo because it was so close to Windsor. We had a couple properties out there already. So yep. check out the properties Windsor jump down what 45 minute drive to Toledo yeah uh, but we haven't gone into Ohio yet okay and so like Ohio is like so you're mostly looking at Toledo for Ohio is that if you're gonna go uh, there? considering uh, what well, we've been considering Dayton uh we are gonna give Toledo another look uh when we did look at Toledo it was a bit of a rush we were down there just for one day yeah and unfortunately we went to some of the okay neighborhoods and some of the neighborhoods that were not so desirable uh, but we've since found out there's better neighborhoods. Like we had to put the price up higher and we would find uh, some better neighborhoods. So but Toledo's still on the radar. But that's still like, that's that's still good. You you still want to see the good and the bad so you understand it. Of right? course. You don't want to yeah. just see the good and you're like, oh, yeah. well, this yeah. looks like a beautiful place. And then you, you just start buying blindly. Um, yeah. So whenever you're you're going down there, I know it's still early, but is there a certain uh, price point you're looking for? What, what kind of things are you looking for for your, your properties? Well, we're, we're thinking about, um, we are, for a while we're thinking about turnkey, but we might actually even follow the model that you're doing. You know, try and find something uh, under market value yeah. and um, possibly do some burrs, uh, but for sure something in, un, under market. We're not just going to pick up something at market value. Yeah. yeah and we're smart. probably going to do some renovations, so we might be doing some burrs. Yeah. No, I've heard of lots of people buying uh, properties in the Midwest, especially people from the east and west coast <laughs> they go into the middle to buy and right. they buy it off the mls and it seems like a deal compared to where they are uh, and but the same thing is if you 
want to sell or need to sell or whatever it's still only worth what you paid for it. yeah so you, you have to buy it right right you have to buy it so that it make makes sense that you can you know because things change in your life it might be just like that uh, your first property for some reason you need to sell it you don't like the tenants you don't like the place is falling apart and it's your constant nightmare that you can't sleep because of who knows what it is yeah and the other thing too is, and something that I have to be careful of is you don't want to jump around to too many different cities because once you have a couple of properties in one city, then you get to really know that city. You know what's going on, you know what the, the renters are like, you know what you can expect from uh, the municipality and all the different laws there. Uh, so if you're buying a property here, property there, property there, which I know some people do, um, you're relearning that market all over again every time you do that, right? So we don't want to go look at Toledo and then go look at uh, Buffalo and then go look at Indianapolis or things like that. We want to be careful. We're not uh, going to too many different places. Otherwise we're just relearning the whole oh, yeah. market over again. Yeah. And that, that is really good advice too. Also for the property management um, way back, probably like two years ago, I interviewed Marco Santorelli on the show and I never mm -hmm. aired this part of the show, but he afterwards we sat and talked and I told him about what I was doing. And at that time, I think I was in, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Kansas City, Missouri. And he was just like, stop getting more markets. Right. Go, go deep into a market. Make yourself important to those property managers. Because, you know, the more houses you have with that manager, the more important you become, right? If, you, if you're just the guy that has one house and you're off doing other stuff, you're a little bit lower on the totem pole than the guy that's has 40 houses, yeah, right? Definitely. They're, they're going to get a little bit more attention than you are. So, and that's the way I feel too. Like, for example, the manager I have down in Buffalo, we only have one property with him. It's a duplex. Uh, but, you know, we've had some difficulties with one tenant. And it's hard. I don't want to call the guy or bug him too much because we're he's only got one of our properties. Yeah. But another thing too, I'd say is that, and this is what I learned from, you know, working in the bank. You hear a lot of people uh, selling mutual funds talk about diversifying your portfolio. So they talk about different sectors. But yep. uh, I, I see that you should have your whole portfolio like that, real estate, mutual funds, stocks, whatever. But even within your real estate portfolio, um, you, you could diversify by going to different cities. But I think maybe a better way to diversify is within your city, diversify with different strategies. So some burrs, yes. some flips. Yes. Yeah. So you're still diversifying, but you're still staying in, in the market that you know. I'm literally just reading a book on this exact topic too. Was that right? And it was like really resonating with me because um, a lot of it, he starts out doing the same thing as me and bought a lot of properties that were going to make you a lot of money over time, right? They still cash flowed really well, but you know, really the, the long-term game was what you're playing for, right? And what he basically gets to the point is that you need to start doing some flips. You need some stuff. You need money now. You need money in a little bit, like, and then you need long-term money. So you need to break that up, and then right. you mix it across with other strategies, right? Just like you're, exactly what you're saying. So you, you do some burrs, so you'll get money back, but those properties will be highly leveraged. Um, you'll go and do some um, flips, and you can get some cash right now. Uh, you may be able to give off some of the properties that you don't actually, you can't actually use, and do some wholesaling um, to some other people. Mm -hmm. Some maybe the timing isn't worked out or whatever, right? Um, but yeah, mixing and matching some uh, lease options where you'll get a chunk of cash at the start, chunk of cash at the end, and a cash flow throughout. 
just a piece it all together. Um, what I'm really interested in, I'm probably going to have a podcast out on this in the next like month or so. Is I've just been like deep diving subject too. I've like, like listened to like been reading books on it and listened to like, every podcast and every YouTube channel that has anything to do with subject too. But mix just mix your strategies, get your right. toolbox going right. Um, anyway, I want to crazy. And the other rip. thing too yeah. is it, it it with with that diversity. It gives you different exit strategies, especially with the the economy. So, especially now, no one's really sure. You hear so many people talk about all oh, the prices are going to go down. Well, you can be prepared because you can be holding some. You can be ready to flip some. Gives you more uh, exit strategies to work with, right? When when the when the economy becomes unpredictable and oh yeah, just gives you more to work with. That's exactly it too. I I did a show on that like way back. I I think I'm more and more getting uh, appreciation and, and want to help more of the new investors. I mean, I'm, you know, not that seasoned myself. I'm still learning a lot. Oh, yeah. Like I'm sure you are too. Um, but like starting off, it, it's overwhelming. If, if you look at Southern Ontario, where does a new investor start? So definitely going down to the States and you can still start with your first one or two mortgages with a, um, a conventional bank. Like we went with TD. Um, so it gets you started. I believe in getting your foot in the door and getting started. As soon as you get started, uh, then you're a little bit more confident to do the next one. But I, I totally agree. The price point just makes it so much easier. Yep. And this is totally biased, totally biased advice, but I hear people all the time uh, buying real estate in other parts of Ontario that are really far away from them. And uh, yes, then they can make the numbers that you can get, I can get in the States, right? They can get similar numbers. The problem is you're in a, a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. Right. Instead, yeah. you don't have the same um, uh, population. You don't have the same employment. You don't have the same uh, dynamics of, of, of a large city. That's why a lot of lenders even uh, shy away from whenever I was trying to get loans for properties in uh, Drumbo, which is just outside of Cambridge, but it's a small mm -hmm. little village to right. go get a mortgage on a property like that. There's it's, it's so much harder and then the, the loan to value goes down and like they're like we're not gonna loan you at 80 percent there you're not in the city right because there's yeah there's not the same yeah. tenant pool there's not a lot of things um so you could take advantage of these large cities and the lower prices combined together and how's it going to appreciate too because like if you're going further north in ontario um you're just getting further away from the u.s border right so you, you've got to wonder about jobs and things like that as well and and just the bigger cities are, are, are along the border and so uh, with the smaller city, I, I mean, I question how much more it's going to appreciate. But yet some things have been crazy lately. I, I never would have thought that Thunder Bay would be a huge place that people would want to invest in. But, you know, things like that, that's happening too. Yeah, you never know. It's like sometimes it's the, the road roads, the, the trade routes, right? Like the 401 yeah. was the first big explosion all the way along, all the way to Windsor, starting from Toronto and blew its way out both ways. But going to move its way up whenever, whenever there's it has to yep there's yeah it's crazy it's amazing when you go now you, you'd think that oh well Windsor is a little bit of a hub and Toronto's a hub and if you get sort of in between maybe you know further east of London you'll find some cheap stuff no, but it seems like everything from Toronto all the way to Windsor it just <laughs> everyone's buying so and even uh, uh, east out past Peterborough even yeah so I just thought of this too, because I wrote down advertising. You were doing advertising before. Have you found that that's, uh, that helps you with real estate at all? Do you do anything um, related to that? Um, it, it, I guess it does. In the advertising I did was more specific to actual sign advertising. Okay. Uh, but it's amazing because you really start to learn the mentality of uh, consumers and how people read messages. 
So I can use it in, um, you know, like building a website and when you're negotiating and stuff like that. So because um, there's sales involved too, it's, it's marketing and it's sales. So you just sort of pick up and uh, get better at negotiating with people and, and understanding why they want something, why they don't want something. So if you're talking to a, a lender or even a tenant, you know, how okay. do you want to deal with them? Or if you're talking to a seller, uh, which is something, of course, I'll, I'll be doing more of if I'm looking for off-market deals, right? Yeah. So I guess what I got out of the advertising is uh, just understanding the seller and the consumer mentality, and it, it uh, would help more with negotiating. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Dan. Yeah, yeah we had we had uh, the property bought in Windsor. Um, we had our... Um, uh, it was going to be our first burr, a small burr. Uh, yeah. had an extension um we got it for a good price we we're going to put a, a nice three-piece bathroom in there everything was going on pretty good uh and then the whole covid thing started so my contractor all his workers just stopped um so that was on hold for a while and then he was starting up again almost almost a month ago he said well i'm going to go in there myself there's only about a week's worth of work left um and then i got a letter from the city of windsor saying that someone had reported to them uh, that we're doing construction they wanted to check if i had the permits and again you know you got to have communication with everyone on your team you got to make yep. sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing a great contractor that i have ones are great great guy um but and it may be the case that we don't need permits but he decided not to pull permits um so now he was just about to start it up finish it up this should have been done in february yeah um so it's been sitting vacant since january and uh so now we're waiting we've submitted the application we're waiting for the city to get back to us they'll do an inspection and if everything's okay then a week or two and it's done if it's not okay then who knows we have to start the work again but again it's it's you, you really i've heard it said like even with a property manager you got to manage your managers not that you have to bother them but you just you still have to oversee things yep make sure no, you can't let them go loose yeah no yeah. And the funny it's thing, you mentioned, you mentioned like the stopping for COVID in the States had a different stance on all of that. Um, mm -hmm. Construction was considered an essential service. So they kept working. And mm -hmm. what actually happened is the opposite problem for the construction companies is a lot of people stopped buying and doing the renovations, the, the investors, right? A lot of them got scared and yeah. stopped. Right. So what happened was with my, some of my, my contractor came to me and said, look, we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to move more people onto your projects because they were, you know, usually oh, he, wow. they had several teams. And I was like, first I was like, that's great. But then I went, wait a second. The way my contract is written with the contractor is, um, this is the date that the project has to be done. If you get it done early for every week, you get early, you get a thousand dollar bonus. For every week late, I pay a thousand. You know, there's a thousand dollars here or a thousand dollars of them, and I'm like, man, if they get this done like two months early, I'm like, or a thousand per week, yeah. So I'm like, man, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna pay a whole yeah. lot of extra money yeah. for this. So I contact them like, well, this is an out of the box situation, and they're like, don't worry about the penalties. We just want to keep everyone employed, right? They, if you're still paying, we're still working. Um, we just want to keep our guys. We don't want to lay anyone off. 
And I said, no problem. So I bought some more houses right. to keep to keep, to keep them busy. Yeah, but, yeah, you got to watch that. Yeah. So is that a, I haven't heard that before. Is that a typical clause or penalty that uh, contractors have in the states? No. That they <laughs> charge you if they finish early? No, no. It's it's just one contractor I work with, and it's actually okay. It's a it's a great thing. Like, but I think there's a buffer around it, right? So like, this is the like, oh, it's going to be a three three month project. So this is the the date it's supposed to be done. Um, and then two weeks before, two weeks after, or a week before, we, I can't remember, I have to look at the thing. That's the buffer of okayness for both of us. And right. yeah. if we're done early, we want a bonus for getting done early. And if we're done late, then we're going to pay you, uh, like, for, uh, well, they'll pay a penalty for being late because okay, know, see, there's covering, there's covering, co like, there's costs that I'm running, like, the carrying costs going on. So, it works to keep everything right on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, but the thing is, a lot of these tiny things, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. But whether the contractor will go for that or not, because mm -hmm. in all honesty, a lot of them that I've found, they love to have the free reign. They like to be late and and not deliver at the time they expected, and they don't want to pay any penalties. It's pretty rare that they're ahead of time unless they've made up a random date just in order to be able yeah. to eat it. Yeah. So and I remember watching the uh, the video you had with uh, Linda a couple months ago, where she said something really interesting. Where she said, "When you have a contractor, uh, make sure you allow triple the time they say. They say it's going to be a month. It's going to be three months, and it seems to be true. That's what happens. Yeah, you no, they kind go of, kind of include a buffer. You got to include a buffer, uh, especially for first time with a contractor. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them." are on budget on time my contractors down in alabama perfect like it was you know that's the dream <laughs> i just yeah. want to pay for it yeah. i just want it to get done on time yeah. and on budget and that worked out well there whereas i'm not going to start dropping even cities because people start figuring out who i'm talking about but there's certain contractors that are never on time and never on budget <laughs> yeah. because yeah. That, that's not how they run their scope of business and that's just how they do it. And they sometimes it's like with any business that the, the, the quotes they give, they're trying to sometimes lowball so they can get the job, even though they know it will probably end up costing more. And yet I say to yeah. people, you know, just give me the real price. Then I can make a proper decision. Oh, that, that's the same thing too. Um, especially with that same contractor down in Alabama I used to work with. And I did some JV projects where we were renovating properties down there. And they're like, the JV be like, well, there's only one contractor quote. And I'm like, yep. And they're like, well, what about you want to shop around and find some more quotes? And I'm like, nope. And mm -hmm. they're like, why? And I'm like, because they're on time and on right. budget. Yeah. And, and I'm like, it's that's worth more to me than saving a few bucks and being late. And if, if we're, especially if we're doing a fix and flip loan, I, I would much rather be on time <laughs> and on budget. It, it, that is more important to me. If I can have predictable numbers that are good, and I can run those numbers and I know they're good. That's that doesn't it doesn't matter after that. It's the ones where they find magical electrical issues during mm. the construction, you're way out of budget. That's the stuff that you're just like, I don't I don't this is a pain in the butt and I don't want to work these people because I hate, again, I hate when they you, find those magical things. Yeah, exactly. So that's but sometimes you can you sometimes it's their fault and that they should have seen it beforehand. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's buried in the wall and there's no way they can see it unless you start causing yeah. ruckus and opening up stuff. Yeah. Anyway. 
Cool. So I think we talked way longer than I was expected. Oh, I, I was figuring that was going to happen. There's always anyway, lots to talk about. Yeah. Oh, I know. We could sit and talk about forever. Um, Ron, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, they can email me at uh, fallerproperties at gmail.com. So that's F-A-L-L-E-R properties at gmail.com. Uh, or my website, Ron Faller, www.ronfaller.com. So that's R-O-N-F-A-L-L-E-R.com. And if they want to, they can connect with me on Facebook as well. Just look me up, Ron Faller on Facebook, and they can uh, connect with me that way as well. Yep. And once the meetups start, like I met Ron at a meetup in Ajax. Ajax, yeah, that was amazing. That was that was an amazing meeting because at that time I was thinking, is nobody investing in the States? And yeah. then uh, I hear this guy say, oh, well, at least my property's in Canada. And I thought, well, as soon as someone says my property's in Canada, that means they got properties in the States. So, uh, yeah, that's where we met, and it was, it was it was a great meeting. It was perfect timing, absolutely. Yeah, I think I was sitting right behind you with the presentation. You were sitting a couple tables over. Oh, a couple tables uh, over, But yeah. then I remember we were, we were talking so much, I think we were the last two people there. Oh, that's my trademark. If you see me go to the <laughs> uh, the Toronto real estate meetup in uh, North York, I'm the last one there. You see me go to KWCREI, I'm the last guy there. I, I Or go over to London Creative. Yeah, I'm the guy that closes the place down. I'm always the yeah. last one there. That's the best conversations you have once you had a couple yeah. drinks. You learn so much and you, and you build relationships. Off. Yeah, Great and so but if you are looking to network too with Ron, he's at meetups as well. <laughs> yep, and you know I'll shoot one thing in there at least for the for uh, the, the the newer investors, um, especially now without the meetups, uh, Facebook groups. People are just there to talk, and you can get answers, and you don't have to worry about. You know, anyone having an ulterior motive, people are just there to chat. And there are so many investment, real estate investing, uh, face group, uh, Facebook groups now. And you make relationships, you start networking, you find out, oh, this person lives in the city I'm interested in. So yep. uh, I found that Facebook groups are really great lately. And you could basically attend meetups that are nowhere near you right now because they're all online. You want to go yeah. to a meetup in Vancouver? It's, it's online right now. So you just yeah. go join their yeah. group and... And it's free usually because it's an online one. You can go tend them all over the country up until uh, a couple weeks ago when the U.S. opened again. You could go do the same thing in the States, but that's they're all doing in-person ones again. They've they've opened right up, so that, yeah. <laughs> that's not on the table anymore. But you can still do it all the way across Canada, at least for a bit until they open this up. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, thanks so much right. for coming on the show, okay, Ron. Okay, great. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Appreciate it. It's great. <laughs> yep, thanks. I'll see you later. All right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Cool. Bye.